my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. Welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. This is a show about the world's most remarkable women, their professional and personal journeys. Together, we'll hear from gold medalists, best-selling authors, and leaders of the world's most iconic brands. Welcome back to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. Last week, we heard Amy Purdy's inspiring story of surviving and thriving after the loss of her legs below the knee at the age of 19. Today, we'll talk about some of the incredible accomplishments she's made in sports and life and what motivates her going forward. Amy, can you share with us your snowboarding career and how you made snowboarding into a Paralympic sport? Yes. Well, my snowboard career... (laughs) Let me tell you how it began. My snowboard career began with me trying to snowboard again for the first time on two prosthetic legs. 
this, you know, I made the goal that I was going to snowboard again that year after I lost my legs, and I did. I went up to the mountain with my sister, and I strapped snowboard boots to my feet and realized they felt really, really weird and nothing like they felt before. And then I strapped my snowboard on, had no idea what to expect. And I, I stood up on my snowboard and I kind of started to inch down the mountain a little bit. And I, I rode over to my heel side and realized, okay, that feels fine. And then I went to ride over to my toe side and I realized my ankles wouldn't bend and I started picking up speed and I shot straight down the mountain and I hit this bump <laughs> and I fell and my goggles went one way, my beanie went the other way, my legs still attached to my snowboard went flying down the mountain. Meanwhile, I'm still sitting on top of the mountain, completely embarrassed. I literally heard a lady scream from the chairlift, like <laughs> I broke into pieces. That's the last thing you wanna see, you know, when you're learning to ski or snowboard is somebody break into pieces. So I did, my sister had to actually hike down pick up my legs that were still attached to my snowboard, hike them back up to me. And I thought, okay, you know, I was not expecting that to happen. I was definitely not expecting, you know, these detachable body parts to detach from my body, but they did. And I was really, really um, discouraged. It just felt impossible at that time. And I thought, obviously, this is why you don't see people with two prosthetic legs snowboarding every day, because it's not possible. But then I thought, well, if I can figure out a way to keep these detachable body parts attached to my body, if I can figure out a way to get my ankles to move in the way I need them to, then maybe I can do this. And, you know, that's really when I decided, okay, I am going to get creative. You know, obstacles can either stop you dead in your tracks or force you to get creative. And that's what I decided to do. So I went on this mission to try to figure out to, how to snowboard again on two prosthetic legs. I ended up making my own pair of feet to snowboard in, not... You know, I wasn't like welding all the metal and all of this, but basically what I did is I took different parts from different brands. I just started experimenting. Um, you know, I would take an ankle from one company and a foot from another company. I remember turning the ankle backwards so that it moved in a different way. It, I just started playing around with things. And I ended up kind of making these like Frankenstein feet that were put together with pink duct tape and I painted the toenails, but I made these feet that I could snowboard in and they actually worked, they actually worked. Um, so these feet actually are also now on display at the Smithsonian. So if you ever are walking around the Smithsonian in DC <laughs> and you see a random pair of feet with neon pink duct tape, you know that they're mine. But um, yeah, these feet worked, they, they worked. And I thought, okay, you know, you just got to get, first of all, committed and then you get creative and then you find a way. And that was really the beginning of my snowboard career. My husband and I started a nonprofit organization called Adaptive Action Sports. After that, we were dating at the time, but we wanted to learn from others out there who are involved in action sports, who have prosthetic legs or different disabilities, You know, figure out what they're doing, create this community of people so that we could all learn from each other and grow together. And through it, we realized there was a lot of people out there snowboarding with prosthetic legs, just everybody's on their own. You know, everybody's trying to figure it out on their own. So our organization really pulled everybody together and everybody was 
doing a really good job. It's like, I mean, we were riding like people who have their legs and we're like, gosh, you know, this needs to be a Paralympic sport. It was in the Olympic Games, but it wasn't yet in the Paralympic Games. And for those of you out there, if you don't know, the Paralympics are, it's the adaptive division of the Olympic Games. So you have the Special Olympics, which is a completely separate organization for cognitive disabilities. But the Paralympics are for physical disabilities. And we compete, you know, on the same courses. We compete under Team USA. It's all a part of the same system as the Olympic Games. Yet snowboarding wasn't a part of it for Paralympians yet. And so we really went on this mission with our organization to knock down doors and create camps and clinics and events so we could, you know, train athletes and pull them out of the woodwork and see who's out there in the world competing and, you know, help to put on these big events so that these athletes had a place to compete at. We, we put together the first adaptive snowboard competition for the X Games, and then we put together adaptive snowboard competitions for the Toyota Dew Tour. These are big events, you know, televised events that happen, and all of this stuff is what helped us convince uh, the Paralympic Committee that snowboarding should be a Paralympic sport. And so after being turned down multiple times and years of blood, sweat, and tears, in 2011, we found out snowboarding would be a part of the 2014 Paralympic Games for the very first time. So my mission then went from kind of, you know, trying to get snowboarding into the games to now trying to make the first ever U.S. Paralympic snowboard team. And I made it my mission and, and trained like crazy. And I was the only double-leg amputee competitive snowboarder worldwide at that time. Everybody else either had their legs and had maybe some kind of impairment, like let's say MS or CP, but they had their legs or had one you know, human foot. They may have one prosthetic leg and one normal leg. And just them having that one normal leg was an advantage you know, over me who had just two pieces of carbon fiber pretty much for my feet. And so um, I had to work really, really hard and I ended up gaining about 18 pounds of muscle and made the US snowboard team and headed to Sochi, Russia and became the first female to bring home a, a bronze medal in Paralympic snowboarding. And then I went back in 2018 to my second Paralympic games and brought home two more medals there but, you know, it's amazing for me because it's, it just teaches me so much. Like if something doesn't exist, you can create it. You know, you really can. If, if you're looking for something, we were looking for, I was looking for a community of other athletes like me and I couldn't find it. So we put it together. You know, we, we, we wanted to get snowboarding in the Paralympics. So we had to really be the ones to uh, create that pathway. And it's amazing where that can lead you. So that's what led me to Dancing with the Stars and you know, writing a New York Times bestseller and, you know, it, to where I'm at today. And I never could have imagined it, though. You know, I never would have imagined all of this. I just wanted to snowboard again because I loved it, because it made my heart full. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Part of it that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet is that you work with your husband, Daniel. What is that like? What is your relationship with Daniel like? <laughs> so we used to actually work together even more than we do now because when we started the organization we were just you know both 100 percent all in growing it together 
We were both executive directors. We were splitting up tasks. Um, it was very challenging. It was very passion-driven, which was awesome, but it was very challenging. It actually kind of took over our lives for many, many years. I think for about eight years, everything was our organization to grow it, that we didn't actually put enough attention to our relationship. It's almost like our organization was almost like a kid, right? Where it's like everything poured into it and, uh, and we kind of started to realize we weren't taking care of each other. We actually ended up um, breaking up at one point. We were dating for all those years, but we ended up kind of breaking up and, and taking a bit of a break, but continuing to work on the organization. And the thing that was really, really good about that is it actually ended up putting us in the roles that I think we're meant to be in. So um, I stepped away. I didn't want to be behind the computer doing emails and um, building websites and all of that. I, I wanted to share my story. I, I wanted to um, be able to inspire other people. And so when we, we took that break, I started focusing on what I wanted for my life, which led me to also become more of a spokesperson for the organization. And he wanted to be the one running it, you know, and he didn't want me looking over his shoulder all the time to see if he sent that email or not. So he really took over um, running the organization. And so when we decided to come back together, we had these more defined roles, which were fantastic because it's allowed us to be our best selves without um, looking over each other's shoulders, right? And so that's been such a journey. And now, um, now he runs the organization full time. I'm a motivational speaker, so I, I speak to different corporations and groups across the world. Um, but also, am able to you know share the mission of the organization and and um, bring in funding and support for the organization and help it grow and help inspire other people with disabilities to get involved. And um, so. So yeah, it's 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 you know it's just another one of those things where it's like our passion, our passion led us to some of the most amazing accomplishments and experiences and opportunities of our of our life. But you know, you never look at or you shouldn't really look at the outcome. It's like you got to do it because you love it, you know. And for our organization, I mean, it's something that we did for many many years without making $1. In fact, we put all our money into it, but we loved it that much. And that's how I feel about snowboarding or that's how I feel about speaking. It's when you love something so much that, you know, not only are you not getting paid to do it, but you would pay to do it. <laughs> that's important. And that's what drives you through all the challenge that comes throughout all of it and, and keeps you going when challenges come your way. And now for a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing. But I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Now, one of the themes that comes up a lot on our show is we we interview powerful women. And one of the challenges in a relationship is your partner not feeling always overshadowed. Like instead of being Daniel, he's Amy Purdy's husband. How do you yes. deal with that? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I I will say that has been a journey. It, it really has. Um, in ways, I mean huge ways. My husband's incredibly supportive. He is my rock. He is my support person behind the scenes. And he doesn't get the attention. He's definitely Amy Purdy's husband. And so it has been a journey to navigate, I think, for him as well. Just it's something I think we're still we're still navigating. But I think, you know, something we've learned this year is just I mean, we, we, we need each other. We, we can't do this alone. Even if, even if he's Amy Purdy's husband, I don't think I would be able to do what I, what I do without his support. And especially this year, because this injury that I have with my leg, I mean, my husband every day, so I've got this really cool little scooter that I get around on. It's really fast. It's like this little electric bike. You know, he's he's picking this up and putting it in the truck every single day, every time we go somewhere. Just physically, I need him. And emotionally, I've needed him. And, um, and just his confidence in me and his love and support in me is what has allowed me to feel confident in doing the work that I'm doing. And so 
that support is necessary, even if the rest of the world doesn't see him as, as the face of it all, you know? Tell us about Dancing with the Stars. Honestly, that was one of the coolest experiences and opportunities of my life. And also one of, if not the hardest thing that I've kind of chosen to go through, right? So we have the challenges that come our way. We have the challenges we choose, and then we have the challenges that choose us. So one of the challenges that I chose was to do Dancing with the Stars, and it was really, really difficult, and, um, but also incredibly rewarding. I went in thinking, maybe I'll learn the cha-cha. Maybe I'll learn the salsa. I didn't realize it was going to be such a, such a deep journey kind of into my, my life and everything I've gone through and sharing all that really with the world. In fact, I remember I didn't want to go too deep. You know, I didn't want people to feel bad for me. I don't know. I had two prosthetic legs. It's kind of, there was a lot that went on even before the show started where once they announced our names and that we were going to be on the show, there was already conversation in the media and people commenting, right, on different articles and stuff like that. Like, oh, they're bringing on a girl with two prosthetic legs and she'll get sympathy points, you know, stuff like that where I'm like, oh my gosh, nobody's even like met me yet or given me a chance yet. And there's already this kind of idea that like, oh, they're trying to pull on heart strings. That's why they're bringing on a girl with two prosthetic legs. And meanwhile, I was an athlete and I'm like, I'm not showing up for sympathy. You know, I'm showing up to compete just like everybody else. And so there's almost like these little challenges and mental challenges to get through before even stepping onto the show. And I didn't want to make a fool out of myself because I thought, what if I can't do this? What if I actually can't do this on two prosthetic feet? And I put a lot of pressure on myself to represent the possibilities because I'm the one that was given the opportunity. I wanted to show what, you know, not just what people with disabilities or people with two prosthetic legs could do, but I, I, I wanted to show what the possibilities are for all of us that you deal with challenges, you get creative, you find a way, you make it happen. And, and so that's kind of the drive that, that kept me going through the show. Um, but it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever been through, truly. And are you still close with your partner, Derek? I am. I mean, at this point, I feel like, you know, COVID and life, we haven't seen each other in quite some time. But yeah, we, we ended up doing quite a few things after the show as well, different projects. We always involve each other in different projects um, that we'll have going on. He has a YouTube channel, so he interviewed me for that. Then we, we've had some, some partnerships, brand partnerships that have overlapped. So we've, we've kind of traveled together and, and done some fun things together. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely, the show definitely, it definitely bonds you in a very interesting way because you don't even know each other when you start it, and yet you need each other. And it's almost like going through a war together where you're just like relying on each other and it's so challenging and you're so grateful to get through every second and it was an incredible experience and I mean it, it truly did change my life forever where it took it took what I was already doing and created this platform or gave me a platform where all of a sudden I was a household name and you know people oh my gosh, I think the most amazing part of it, to be honest, this is the most amazing part, 
is people would send me videos of their little kids watching me on Dancing with the Stars. You know, sometimes it would be a little kid who's missing an arm or having or who has a prosthetic leg, but sometimes it was just any little kid, you know, watching. I had so many videos, I mean, thousands of videos of parents sending me their kids cheering for me on Dancing with the Stars. There is nothing more fulfilling than that, but that's I think nothing more important than that, like to be able to show, I'm going to cry, but just to be able to, you know, show kids um, what the possibilities are if you work really hard and that life gets hard, but that you can follow your dreams and you can do amazing things no matter what your circumstances are. It's beautiful. One of the, the passions I share with you is a passion for Oprah. And <laughs> you had dinner with Oprah after Dancing with the Stars, right? Well, I have actually done quite a few things with Oprah um, after Dancing with the Stars. But when we were on the show actually going into the finale, Oprah called uh, Derek and I, and she said, I'm voting for both of you. And she's like, I think she said, if you win, I'm taking you out to dinner. But we didn't win. We came in second place, and we we're like, "Okay, can we still can we still do that?" <laughs> so we, um, Derek and I, actually decided to because we we're like, "This is special." Okay, we, we actually went to Oprah's house for lunch, and we wanted to show up in style. So we uh, we chartered a helicopter. We flew from LA to where she lives, and uh, it was. It was spectacular. We literally landed in her lawn and had lunch at her house. And then I ended up doing a speaking tour with her across the country. It was called uh, the Life You Want Tour. And we had eight stops across the country. So I did that with her and Elizabeth Gilbert and Deepak Chopra. It was, I mean, I don't know if you read this part in the book, but I grew up listening to Deepak Chopra. You know, I grew up watching Oprah like so many people. Um, and then when I started to want to share my story, Elizabeth Gilbert was an inspiration because I loved the way she authentically spoke. And so these were my biggest inspirations. And then suddenly I was on a speaking tour with all of them where our dressing rooms were lined up and I literally knocked on Deepak Chopra's door, gave him my book and he endorsed it right then and there. I gave Elizabeth Gilbert my book. She endorsed it. I gave Oprah my book. She endorsed it. Talk about taking advantage of a moment. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Thank God I had a, a book, I guess, at that time. I just, But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like so serendipitous that it was meant to be. But yet uh, you have to do the work on your own because it's meaningful to you. And then when those opportunities line up, you know, that's where they say what, like, luck is when hard work and opportunity collide. And, and that's kind of what that was for me. Like, I wanted to write my book no matter what. No, I, did, I wasn't thinking about New York Times bestseller. I was just thinking, I have this journey and the story and things that have helped me along the way, and I want to share this with other people. And it, this, this story, this book lived inside of me. It was so, so screaming to get out that I had told my team that, you know, as soon as Dancing with the Stars is over, I'm going to write my book. I don't care if I have to lock myself 
you know, on an island somewhere or in a cabin somewhere for six months, I'm going to write this book. And it just so happens I got a deal with HarperCollins the day after Dancing with the Stars. And they gave me not a six-month deadline to write this book. They gave me a six-week deadline. Wow. And so I went straight from Dancing with the Stars to New York. I actually worked with a writer there who helped me. And we just dove into my book. We wrote it in six weeks. And I had a lot of it written already because I had journaled over over time, but I really needed help with the structure. So she helped me put the structure together. And um, yeah, in six weeks, the book was written and it just so happens, it came out the very last day of 2014, which was my goal. Once again, I realized I kind of need those timelines. And so I said, okay, by the end of 2014, this book is going to be written. And it just so happens it came out the last day of 2014. And went on to be a New York Times bestseller. And then uh, it, it happened to overlap with the Oprah tour I was on. So I actually had, I had the galley of the book to share with them. The timing was so perfect because that was the time we were looking for endorsements is when I happened to be on Oprah's tour. And I had written about them in my book. I had written about Deepak Chopra at the beginning of my book. That's, you know, growing up, that's who I listened to. I wrote about Elizabeth Gilbert as I was learning to do my TED Talk. I wrote about Oprah and now I'm literally on a speaking tour with them and they endorsed it. So you just, there's magic. See, there's magic that happens in life that you can never even prepare for. You can never even, you know, plan that ever. And you just gotta do your heart's work. You know, you gotta do the things that make you feel alive that make you feel passionate, the things that you can help serve others with. I mean, that's usually where you find your purpose, right? Like your passion is something you do for yourself. I would say snowboarding for me was my passion. I'm so grateful I did it. It got me through the most challenging days of my life because it gave me something to look forward to. But your purpose is something you do for others. So for me, starting my organization, that's when that's when I actually started to feel fulfillment or speaking, you know, knowing that I could help others on their journey or writing my book. And so when you do those things that are really in line with you, I think that's when it attracts these magical moments or you cross paths at the right time. And those are the moments we always call luck. But you know, if you're doing the work ahead of time, then you're prepared when those opportunities arrive. And now for a quick break. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's move on to the lightning round. Amy, you want to start? What is your nighttime routine? So I do a couple things. One, I take a bath every night. And I light a candle, I relax, I might listen to a podcast or an audiobook. I also have this amazing thing called a beamer. Have you guys heard of that? It's sound waves, it's a mat that you lay on, and it actually helps your circulation, so it helps you heal quicker, but it helps to relax you as well because everything in your body is getting more blood. So I lay on that, and you only lay on it for about 10 minutes at a time, and it's a perfect way to just wind down from the day, you know, I'll turn on music, I'll lay on that. And I know that I'm doing something good for my body. What is your dream place to travel that you have yet to go to? Bali is definitely one of them. I've been craving just beautiful turquoise, warm water. I I visualize myself swimming in warm water. And, um, I feel like I got to go to Bali to, to get that. <laughs> <laughs> what is one pandemic purchase that you have loved? Oh, my gosh. I love that question. But, um, oh, I bought a condo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Lou Burns always comes in with our male perspective. He's been listening to our interview, and he asks the final question. There's been times that I can only imagine where you – at the beginning of this journey, we're looking at yourself and wasn't feeling so pretty. Can you share with us a time where that that happened to you and how did you overcome that? I've been through 10 surgeries this year. That does a lot on your body. You can't control that. You can't control what happens. Like the first few surgeries, I was still in shape and I still felt like myself. But then surgery five, surgery six, then they, they compounded the last few months. I had three surgeries in a three-month period, and it knocked me down. My skin's dry. Literally, my hair, like pieces of my hair is falling out because of anesthesia. So you do not feel good. I'm not working out like I was at the peak of my performance. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not where I want to be realistically, right, when it comes to how I, what I see in the mirror. But that's exactly why I did that exercise where I'm like, okay, I can either get crushed under what I feel so out of control of right now. I mean, here's the thing, too. I have a kidney transplant. I can't do Botox. I can't just go do something really quick. I can't do fillers. I can't do these things that are such easy, quick fixes for everybody else. 
that makes it even more challenging because it's like, I can't do anything to help myself here. And that's a lie. That's a lie. That's what you feel when you get crushed under all the negative things you're focusing on, right? So that's where I started thinking, where am I in control? What do I have control over right now? And that's when I started thinking, look, my relationship, I've got an amazing relationship with my family and my husband. I have that to be grateful for. How can I nurture that more? My health, okay. Um, I can't do all these fun injectables and all these little things, but I can definitely eat good. Am I even eating enough vegetables right now? No. Am I even eating enough fruit right now and protein? No. So I start focusing on that. You know, start focusing on, okay, so I don't like my body right now. I have no muscle. I've lost a lot of weight. Okay, I'm going to jump on the floor and do some sit-ups and push-ups, and I'm going to start that today. You know, it's, it's, it's finding what you do have control over and, and focusing on those things because you can very easily get crushed under the things that you can't control, you don't like about yourself. You look in the mirror, you feel like there's so many things you need help with, like you are so far from where you want to be. But all you have to do is take these little steps. There are things that you are in control of, and that's what we need to focus on, right? Like the serenity prayer that my mom has always taught me since I was little, which is to control the things you can and to hand over and let go of the rest. And I think that's when we feel our best. So much there. And you know what? There's so much we didn't even get to talk to her about. I know that... Your father just was on dialysis, and I know you wanted to talk to her about her own kidney failure. Her dad gave her his kidney. We didn't even get to touch it. It's almost like we need to have her back for another episode. I know. I know. There was so much more. Yes, you know, my my father received a kidney transplant last April, and I know that's something that Amy's lived with for two decades. There was just, it was impossible to cover all of the terrain of her life. But the thing, Sam, that I felt like we were able to talk with her about was how she really finds a way to keep moving forward no matter what the obstacle is. And there have been a lot of obstacles. One of the things that struck me was when I said to her, everyone has something. And she said, everyone has lots of somethings in respect to challenges. And I thought that was so true. And I also, one of the things that that struck me that I, that I will, I think, always remember and I do a little bit of this too, is I, I loved when she said, I don't want to, you know, be toxic, a toxic positivity person. But and I've been accused of that too. But she said, but I always find something to look forward to. And I, that's exactly what I do. I always have to have one thing to look forward to. It could literally be like a great meal out with a friend. It doesn't have to be like a trip to, you know, to Bali, like she mentioned, it could be literally anything, even if it's small. But I think it's so important to have those things that are in your future that you that are that are exciting you. I agree. I loved how she talked about, yeah, like finding one thing to hold on to to make that next step forward. I mean, when she talked about, you know, her sister getting married right after after she lost both of her legs, you know, she, she identified this immediate and near-term goal. And she had like a month to achieve it. But I think that finding something near-term and that you feel is doable is something we can all take as something that we, we really look for as we're trying to find a way to move into that next area of our life or overcome a big obstacle. Because it's it's taking the small pieces of what you can bite off and just and getting past that. Yeah, there, there's also something where I think a lot of people feel like, oh, what what right do I have to be upset if this person is, you know, their circumstances are so much worse than mine, right? And I think that every single person's suffering and joy 
is related to their own suffering and joy. It's not related to someone else's. And I think that's the perspective that she has, and it and it's so important. It's really interesting that you bring that up, and it immediately makes me think of another guest of ours, Lori Gottlieb, the the therapist and author. Lori said something to us that I think, you know, I actually thought of it while we were talking with Amy, because Lori said to us, there's no hierarchy of pain. And maybe it is that there's no hierarchy of pain except our own. Because what Amy said that really hit me was like, she's like, I, almost, I did die. I died. I died. Right? I mean, she flatlined on the table. She, she, could, have, she could have died. She could have been disfigured. She was talking about a, a rash that happens with a lot of people that have meningitis. And she wasn't. And so to her and her own hierarchy, it's like it could have been so much worse. And it's just a really interesting way to look at life and to, and to think about how we can find the magic, which is something else that Amy talked about. I also was struck by Lou's question because for those of you who are listening who aren't seeing this on YouTube, you know, you might not know Amy is kind of – she's drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, <laughs> drop she is dead gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. And – it's so shocking to hear that her week last week was partially destroyed by her lack of physical confidence in terms of her beauty because you would think, okay, well, she already has that. She doesn't have to think about that. But it just goes to show you how much of it is internal and how we're all so much more alike than we are different. We are. And I think, you know, what I hope, Sam, is that we get a chance to meet Amy in person and to see that radiance in real life because it was – it was just really amazing. We will. That What's Her Story tour is on the horizon, aim. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Thanks for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We would so appreciate if you would leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, connect with us on social media at What's Her Story Podcast. What's Her Story with Sam and Amy is powered by my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co, and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com. Thanks to our producer, Stacey Para, our social media manager, Phoebe Cranefuss, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 